0: Alright. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga Podcast. Uh, My name is Kat Smith and I'm a one and I'm here with my partner in crime, Christy. And Christy, you want to say hello? Hello.
1: It's so good to be here. We're here, Kat. Enneagram Plus Yoga.
0: Enneagram (laughs) Plus Yoga. And this is our very first episode, very first go, very first try. So we're just going to wing it and hopefully it lands and you all love it. So what we've decided to do today is kind of go and, um, sort of interview each other and, um, let you all get, um, to know us better and, um, listen about how, um, we relate to Enneagram and yoga and what brought us to, uh, starting this podcast. So without much ado, I'm going to interview Christy. Christy, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So, um, Full, trans, um, full disclosure, we kind of prepared um, some of these questions, so we've had a second to think about our answers. So if you think that we are so together, we are, because <laughs> we, we, we sort of thought on it a little bit, but I don't think it's going to take away from how interesting I hope you will find our answers. So my first question for Christy is... Um, I know you are an Enneagram enthusiast and you're a yogi. Mm-hmm. So, anything else you want to share about yourself other than you love Enneagram and you love yoga?
1: Yeah, I love Enneagram and I love yoga. I guess I'll start by saying um, I was introduced to the Enneagram about twenty years ago. I was in graduate school. I uh, was attending a two-day workshop. Had no idea what the Enneagram was, but a friend said, "I think you'll like this," um, and I had majored in religion and psychology in college, and uh, it just seems like the Enneagram can be a little bit of a bridge of those two. It's very spiritual, but it's also very rooted in um, psychology, and so it did. It felt like a fit for me, and I immediately identified with the Enneagram too. I was like, oh my goodness, this is me, like I'm a helper, I help at the expense of myself. You know, sometimes the Enneagram 2 is called the giver. I tend to give too much in order to maybe make people like me. Like, I was, like, it was spot on. I was um, so impressed with um, the the fact that it not only captured me, but that it said, you can be more, you can be healthier, you can be this best version of yourself. And so I um, started to delve into the Enneagram um, I worked with a counselor and looked you know, at it some, and it, um, it was pretty transformational for me, and, and like many things in my life, it's been something that I've left for a little bit and then come back to, but I definitely have been um, learning more and more about it in the last few years. I use it in my practice. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and so I do it with all of my clients, and I would say, for 90% of my clients, they love it, you know, but it's not for everyone. And so that's always something important to say too, is that just like yoga's not for everyone, the Enneagram's not. But for me, it has been transformational. And I think I took my first yoga class around the same time that I, I you know, was introduced to the Enneagram. And so they've both been amazing for me. And like the Enneagram, yoga has been something that kind of, you know, I'd, I do for a little while and then leave for a little while. But in the last 10 years, I've been um, you know, pretty uh, regular about my yoga practice. Went to yoga school about five years ago, maybe a little more than that, and became a yoga teacher. And that's been exciting too. Like it's a, it's a way, yoga is a way that I release trauma and pain from the body. I have a hard job as a therapist. I receive a lot of stories. And so this is a way that I get to release some of that through my own practice. And even as a teacher, we get to breathe with our students. And it's a way that we release things that we're holding in our body. Yeah. But I guess in terms of um, what I want people to know most about me, I'm a mama. And that has been also like the Enneagram and yoga, um, something that is it's just a joy, and it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I have a one-year-old. Yeah. It took my husband and I seven and a half years to get pregnant. Oh, my gosh. So um, so we're coming to this a little older in life. Yeah. Um, and More mature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hope more mature, but it, it also can be harder. You yeah. know, your energy level sometimes is yeah. a little lower the older you are, (laughs) but I love it. Like that is definitely my most important job. And that's where I'm learning a lot about myself too, just Mm -hmm. like I do with yoga and the Enneagram. So yeah,
0: that is great. I love it.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, moving on, let me ask you about
0: this. So, um, you, um, came to me a little while ago and, um, I was completely, um, it was unexpected. I was so flattered, but you said, Hey, listen, would you like to do this with me? And I was like, Yes, absolutely. So, what made you decide to record to start this podcast? What brought that idea?
1: Well, I think it obviously fits nicely with being an Enneagram helper, right? Like, yeah, yeah let me help people. Let me offer something. Let me give to the community. So, um, that's a part of it. But, I. I also think that there's something in it for me, I get to learn as well, like that's the thing about the Enneagram and yoga, you never stop stop learning about yourself, right? So this is like something where hopefully we're getting to give back to others, but we're also receiving, we're learning, we're yeah. growing. Um, so I just felt like it was a win-win to try it. Um, it's scary because you're putting yourself out there. Uh Um, and I'm sometimes a private person and I'm like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? I'm doing a podcast, Uh um, for everybody, for everybody, but it's exciting. Like we're going to do fun things. We're going to do like mantras for every pose. Yeah. Uh, or for every number on the Enneagram. Uh-huh. Yoga poses for every number on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. We're going to think about meditations for each number. And we're going to interview people. And we're going to invite guests. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have lots of guests from every every number. All nine numbers. that yeah. are going to be here. So I think that, you know, the why is intrinsic to my personality. It's to help. Yeah but it's, it's also to receive, I hope. so. Right. I, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm benefiting from that, I think it's great. <laughs> well,
0: let's see. So you've mentioned that you love Enneagram and you love yoga. Do you have um, sort of your most favorite part about each? Like if you were to name just one thing, and I know we probably can talk about it for, for years and mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. Um, your n- number one favorite thing about each?
1: Well, um, for me, I think it's hard to to say just one thing about each, but, it, but one thing they both have in common is mm-hmm. they're so introspective. Yeah. You know, there, it's a journey inside yourself. It's a journey to the self. It's this way um, to kind of slow down. Yeah. I mean, they both help you to really slow down and, um, and look at yourself, look at your shadow side. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, if you're... In a yoga class, you you start to notice, oh, I'm comparing myself to mm-hmm, others. Mm-hmm. And have we all done yes, it? Oh my yeah. gosh! And then and the Enneagram points to that as well. Mm-hmm, like you look mm-hmm. at the deadly sin of the the four, and we're all nine numbers. Even though we have a dominant yep. number, we're all nine numbers. That the deadly sin of the four is envy, mm-hmm. and and so fours tend to compare themselves to others. But in the same way, I'm not a four, but I can do that. I can yeah. compare myself, and so yoga and the enneagram they they bless me because they help me to look inward and look yeah. at my shadow side and that helps me to grow yeah and so i mean it's that's one that's more than one thing but yeah It's, I get it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I completely relate. And not just to grow, but accept it before Mm. you grow. And that's hard sometimes because it's not all pretty. No. You know, and just to say, okay, this is it. This is me and it's all right. Yeah. You know, because everybody else got something too. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. right on all right let me ask you this has enneagram affected your relationship with yoga so i know they kind of came into your life at the same time Mm -hmm. almost Mm -hmm. uh but i think enneagram came in first so Mm -hmm. how has enneagram you know affected your relationship with yoga
1: well i would say or has it yeah i i definitely think that enneagram points me to my need for yoga so that Mm -hmm. may be how i would say it is that is that the Enneagram, okay, I'm a number two and mm-hmm. so I love to help, I love to be busy, um, I, I tend to overfunction in life and do too much. Yeah. And and so what the Enneagram says to me is slow down, Christy, yeah. get on your yoga mat, just yeah. be in child's pose for a while yeah. because that is the medicine for the number two on the Enneagram is self care. Yeah. It's slowing down. It's having boundaries, learning to say no to other people and say yes to the places where you can receive. Yeah. So I would say that the Enneagram just really points me to yoga and says, you know, this is a place where you fill up your cup. This is a place where you, you nurture yourself and get to know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, Let me, while we're on the numbers for, um, for listeners who
0: maybe you know, they, they know Enneagram, they know yoga, but maybe not so in depth. Do you care to run through all of the numbers just very quickly, like the number and couple of words about it. So folks would know what, you know, when, if you're listening, you're like, Oh, what is a two or what, you know, what is a, I'm a one, what is a one? So can you just run through it real quick for
1: our listeners? That's a great question. Okay. So the one. Mm -hmm. If I was to um, have a word for the one, it would be integrity. I mean, mm-hmm. this is an ethical group of people. They're sometimes called the perfectionist mm-hmm. or the reformers, yeah. and their deadly sin is anger. For the two, um, one word to describe the two might be lover. They just mm-hmm. love people. They love relationships. Um, they're magnets to people. Uh, their deadly sin is pride. They want mm-hmm. to be seen as good by others, and so mm-hmm. that, that pride can get in their way. Yeah. For the three, the threes are sometimes called achievers mm-hmm. or performers. Mm-hmm. They are charming. They ooze with charm. Mm-hmm. Their deadly sin is deceit, mm-hmm. and and that deceit doesn't mean they're deceiving others, but yeah. they're deceiving themselves yeah. by how much their work gets in their way. Yeah. The four is um, the artist or the romantic, sometimes they're called. They are creative. That would be my word for the four. They're just yeah. natural artists. Um their their deadly sin is envy, um, and they do compare themselves to others. They yeah. also come off as a bit moody and broody sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they are so good at feeling their feelings. They yeah. teach the rest of us to feel our feelings. The five on the enneagram sometimes called the investigator. The five is full of knowledge. That would be my word for the the five. They're knowledgeable. They mm-hmm. they are just intellectuals who who have books surrounding them, mm-hmm. or they're looking at their computer and just soaking up knowledge. Um, they get in their own way through avarice, through withholding, yeah. um, through uh, withholding their time and their resources from mm-hmm. others. The six is the loyalist. They are loyal. They help other people to belong. Um, they're just the, the type of person that is is gonna be really engaged in the community, um, Maybe engage in um, their, a religious group or something like that. They just are, n- are natural groupies, right? Yeah. Um, and the the loyalist gets in their own way through anxiety. They yeah. have a lot of anxiety. They're always catastrophizing, yeah. seeing the worst. Um, the seven, the enthusiast, yep. the adventurer. I'm married. Uh, you're one. familiar yep, with the seven. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Kat's husband is a seven. They are fun. That would be my word for a seven. They are fun, they're full of life, they're full of joy. Um, their deadly sin is gluttony, they can consume too much of a good thing. Um, they also push down their feelings a lot. Oh, yeah, oh, (laughs) yeah, everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. (laughs) Uh, The eight on the Enneagram oh, my goodness, the eights are energetic, they're intense, they're sometimes Mm -hmm. called the challengers. You can feel their energy, man, they have a lot of energy. Their deadly sin is. Lust, and it's not necessarily sexual lust, but a lust for power, a lust for control. Mm -hmm. And then the deadly sin of the nine is sloth, and the nines are peacemakers, but they also can get in their own way by not just finding the fullness of life and engaging in life as much as they can. But man, they're easygoing; they just are fun to be with because they're easy to get along with. You, they they kind of emanate peace. Uh, So that's the nine numbers. Yeah, I love it. And what we're planning on
0: doing is kind of diving into each and dedicate Mm -hmm. at least one episode to each number and interview that number and kind of talk about it in relation Mm -hmm. to how they feel and how they think and what their story is and in relation to yoga and Instagram and what helps them grow and what helps them see their shadow side, and you know that just kind of give our listeners listeners a little taste of what's coming. Yeah. So I think that that'd be a lot of fun. Thank you for it's doing exciting. that. Yes, yeah. I know. So um, let me ask you this: What kind of yoga practice do you gravitate to? And I know you've practiced for a long time, and probably nothing stays static or stagnant. But um, maybe today, what, what
1: are you gravitating to
0: as far as your yoga
1: goes? Well, right now, I would say that I gravitate more towards like a power or a heated vinyasa, Mm -hmm. something along those lines, something that correlates with the kind of life I live. Like it's go, go, go. Um, And so uh, what that tells me sometimes is that I do know that I need more of the slow, gentle classes, mindful vinyasa, yin classes. I've noticed that my shavasanas are much better in a slower Class. Really? So that's true for me. That may not be true for everybody. How interesting is that? Is it because you get longer time to do it, or
0: you're just calmer throughout the class?
1: I think it's because I slow down. And mm-hmm. um, when I'm in a power or a heated vinyasa class, it yeah. kind of matches my lifestyle. Yeah. It's yeah. go go you're go. Moving. Yeah, I'm moving a lot, um, but. I'm slowing down to feel things in my body, Mm -hmm. um, to feel emotions inside of me, and it and it just makes a difference for my shavasana. Now I know that we're all different. We're all different, but I've I've noticed that for myself. That is that is very interesting. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this. Speaking
0: of yoga favorite yoga postures or maybe favorite yoga mantras and just to let our uh, listeners know mantra is a sanskrit word for sort of affirmation um a focal point a focal a centering thought or maybe it could be just one word a phrase or a sentence or an intention that you kind of connect with
1: so yeah what do you think okay so as far as mantras i'll start with mantras and then go to yoga poses I love the mantra. The mantra: inhale, I am. Exhale, enough. Yeah, it's simple, but I need that. I'm in the shame triad as a two of the enneagram, yeah. so there's always this feeling. You know, shame is that feeling um, that we're not enough. Guilt yeah. is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. Mm. And so I think that I, I go to that I am enough quite quite a bit. I also love inhale, be. Mm -hmm. exhale still because I live too fast paced of a life I need to slow down and along those lines one that helps me enter the present moment is inhale just exhale this those are my top three I love it top three yoga poses I would say um child's pose Mm -hmm. because again I need to slow down and even though I go to power classes a lot I'm pretty good at going to child's yeah. A lot in my power yeah. classes. Yeah, I wish you
0: practice. You, you do. That's great. Yeah. And that's such a gift to be able to do that because so many practitioners wouldn't. Yeah, They feel
1: like they want to, and then for whatever reason, they never do. Yeah. And I think some of that is um, that I'm starting to let go of the ego. Mm-hmm. And um, not always. There are times when I find myself being competitive in a yoga class. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think it, it it's just a, a, a point where. I'm not competing. I'm just being. And I, and I yeah. take care of myself yeah. for a moment and I'm listening to my body. So I love child's pose. Um, I love happy baby, especially when I'm rocking from side to side. Really, And and the reason is I'm too serious of a person and it helps yeah. me to be playful. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, just the rocking from side to side feels very playful to yeah. me. And so, I, and I need more of that because I have a one wing so I can mm-hmm. be a little bit serious. Mm-hmm. And... um. I need that playfulness. So yeah. that's 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 another one. And then dancer pose. I love dancer pose. Really? It feels very empowering to me. It okay. makes me feel very strong. It opens me up in the heart a little bit. And here's one other thing about dancer pose. Okay, a lot of yoga teachers teach that you have to hold the foot from the inside yeah that is really hard for me yeah and and and, mm-hmm. it, and it feels like sometimes it feels a little hard on my shoulders sometimes I try it but I've learned that I hold my foot more often from the outside nice. and I've learned that hey that's okay good for you exactly that's okay like it's okay you don't have to do all yoga poses this like yep. perfect way and it so when I do it and everybody else in the class is doing it like the right way. Way to be a four Christy with your <laughs> yeah, dances. Like yeah. I'm going to do my way. Gonna, thank you. Exactly. I'm going to be unique and different and, um, and and embrace that this is what my body needs. So I think I like that part of it too, that it's embracing imperfection yeah. a little bit um, yeah. and just being, you know, being me. But also it feels very powerful. Like yeah. I, Like I so strong, strong. Yeah. It helps me to embrace that part of me that sometimes needs to be a little more assertive. Yeah. So, yeah. I like it, like I it? like, right, yeah, good. yeah, that's, okay.
0: I like that. All right, um, let's get a little um, maybe serious. Okay. So, you know, there's a there's a saying about yoga and um, I think it would apply to Enneagram. It's there for us to feel and to heal. Mm -hmm. You know, so can you talk a little bit about maybe what if you're trying to heal anything right now and how?
1: Yeah, I think yes, always. I'm always trying to heal things. What comes up for me is childhood trauma still stays with us, you know, and we're working on healing that sometimes our whole life. Yeah. And um, I grew up as the child of an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. Same as me, I did oh, not know that. Wow. A highly functioning social alcoholic. Okay, your dad, mm-hmm. okay, my okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my dad, his alcoholism did get in his way. I don't know if he was this high functioning all the time. He did mm-hmm. lose a job um, over his alcoholism mm-hmm. and had to go to rehab and oh, wow. it, it really affected now, he was a really good dad. I mm-hmm. always like to say that because there's yeah. this picture that alcoholic yeah. fathers are degenerate. Yeah, my dad loved us. He yeah. wasn't a good husband. He cheated on my mom. So, he was... Oh, uh, my
0: God. How uh, did I not know that? It's wow. like... Wow. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, see? Here we go. This yeah. is maybe part of why we're... Doing this to share our stories yeah. like this is one of the reasons we want to do this podcast yeah. too is is a place of vulnerability never alone yep. yeah yeah and so I think that um, what happened for me in response to having a father who's an alcoholic is I became the hero child mm-hmm. of the family the responsible one mm-hmm. the one he tried to fix things the one he tried you had to, to father yourself yeah and and my mm-hmm. and my two brothers I was uh you know my mom was an excellent mom but of course it was really hard on her yeah. she was a little bit depressed at, at times yeah. and so you know I was trying to take care of everybody and yeah. be kind of like the second mama yeah and um and so I have that tendency now in my adult life to be too responsible, to take on things that I want to fix and take care of, and so I'm still trying to heal that, and Mm -hmm. that's where the Enneagram really helps with helping me to set boundaries and to say Mm -hmm. no and to learn to take care of myself and not just take care of others. So it's amazing, even though I've been in therapy and you know, love the Enneagram and yoga and done all these things to heal, I'm still working on that yeah. part of myself. Like yeah. it's, it's still there. Like that wounded child is still inside of me and she still needs love and, and care and affirmation and reminders. Like, yeah. she, you know, I need to reinforce myself all the time. It's okay to take care of yourself and to yeah. say no. Yeah. So that's, that's probably one of the big I, things I'm I trying get to it. heal. I yes. get it
0: friend. I get it. All mm-hmm. right. Well, Thank you for sharing that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I am with you. I I feel like I am, and maybe it's it's everybody right now. We're so maybe exposed through social media and oversharing, but then there's a lot of things that are still staying in the closet for everybody, mm-hmm. and people just, just broadcast what they want and, and don't what really mm-hmm. hurts and what matters. So I think feel like it's important for somebody else out there to hear that yeah everybody has pain everybody yeah. has hurt everybody's trying to heal everybody's had some shit in their life that has mm-hmm. gone wrong mm-hmm. and none of us are alone at that yeah. especially in today's world where everything is picture perfect literally and mm-hmm. that's all we see you know on TV on Facebook on Twitter on Instagram that it is Everything is perfect, and you know it's it's important to remember it. No, it's not real. That's you know just the gloss. So thank you for that. It's hard. I feel it's it's hard to share. You know, so I can get vulnerable
1: like that because you know pain is pain. It is hard, but vulnerability. I really have found it does lead to vulnerability and it leads to that moment of me too, like just like with you saying me too to me, you know, it's, and, and we all, and that's part of our healing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm going to switch gears and I have three fun questions for us to, um, wrap up the interview with. So here's question number one, what most people don't know about you,
1: like one thing
0: that would shock somebody. Oh, if they heard. see, I don't
1: know if this is going to shock anybody, but I just, I and anybody who's been to my house would know this. But a lot of maybe listeners have not been. And I love antiques. Like I'm like an antique dork No. going to estate sales. Like if you're going to find me somewhere on a Saturday, you might find me at an estate sale. Oh my, God. my house is full of like oriental rugs and antiques and it makes me happy. Like I oh just God. love it. But you know, my- Do you
0: have a favorite piece, like um, the truest prizes possession.
1: Oh, just I, I think the Oriental rugs, um, you know, I just oh I God. love I love them. I love blue and red and Oriental rugs. That's like oh my, my favorite color. God. Anyways, I yeah, you walk into my house and it looks like a seventy year old lives there because I, lo- <laughs> now I feel like I need an invite. <laughs> And, and my husband loves it too. Like we're both kind of oh dorks when it gosh. comes to. What did and- chip?
0: wouldn't you hate if he was like modern guy? Like I just would oh, steal and glass yes. and everything needs to be gray or white.
1: Well yes. and the first like <laughs> the first time I went to his house when we yeah. were dating, and I saw, like, an oriental rug. And I'm you're just, like, yes. I was like, oh, my He's gosh. This <laughs> might be it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, I so love that. That's...
0: I didn't know, You shocked me with this one. I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. All right. Let me ask you
1: this. Whom, dead or alive, you'd want to have a dinner with okay. on that oriental rug? <laughs> I know. Well, even though this is like, these are our fun questions, um, yeah. this is kind of more of a serious answer. Okay. My Grandma Belle. Really? Um, my Grandma Belle, she is deceased and she died uh, in 2003, at the end of 2003. Yeah. And she was, I think, around 93 at the time. If she was still alive, she'd be like 112 oh years old. Wow. Um, 11, I don't know. Not good at the math, but but she was just a model for me of how I want to live my life. And I would love to have dinner with her to introduce her to my daughter. Like oh, really? that would be amazing. But you know, she she and her husband uh, divorced when my mom was three, and oh, she wow. had four daughters. So imagine <gasps> raising four daughters on your Single own. Single mom. I and, cannot. And while she was... And now that I am a mom... I know. Like, can you imagine go, three more? No. Alone? No. Alone? Not at all. And And she went back and got a second master's degree while she was raising four kids. Holy she was wow. a professor. She was... And she never remarried, but she was eighty-seven years old and traveling in Europe by herself. What like, a tough cookie! She was I want to have dinner with she her. She was strong. I know she was That's... independent. Like a lot of my values, um, you know, have been shaped by who she was. Yeah. And so, I would want oh, to that have it. Oh, and makes a, me want
0: to cry. I, know. I would
1: love to have a meal with her again. So definitely, Grandma yeah. Belle.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. I think
0: she'd be proud if she heard that.
1: Hmm. Last proper.
0: one, if you could choose a different occupation, that what, what, what would it be? <laughs> and, you know, and I know that you are doing, you know, even asking that question, I know you do what you do because it's labor, of love. otherwise, yeah. I don't know what kind of sane person would pick it. Yeah. With all due respect, yeah. I think you have one of the hardest jobs out there, but if it was a different path and you could have gone left instead of right... Mm. what christy sitting right here on the couch occupation
1: Okay. Well, I will say that, you know, there are moments when you think, oh my gosh, if I was an investment broker, I could like really make Girl, some no money. Girl, no. Girl, no. I would no. never be that. You'd be sitting on the
0: couch with somebody doing your job right now. <laughs> That's what would happen. Yeah.
1: So I would never do that. No. But, I, you know, and there's times when you think, oh, it'd be really fun to have a job where you were traveling, like mm-hmm. where you were taking people on trips to yeah. Europe or something like that. That yeah. sounds exciting to me. But honestly, like my first reaction to this question, when I I saw your question, I was like, I wouldn't do anything else. Like if I'm really, really honest, I love it. Like it's a job that creates meaning and purpose for me to sit with people in their pain and to help them process their life and their stories and to help them think about a better future for themselves, to look at their past and reframe their past to help them look at the Enneagram and, and how their personality shapes who they are, um, to, to work with them on mindfulness techniques. Um, just it's, it's a, it's a wonderful job. It is hard. And so that's why I need yoga to go to my mat and to like exhale and let go because there's a lot of painful stories that I hear in my job as a therapist. But like I feel like at this season, I've had several other jobs. I'm 42, so um, being a therapist is not my first job, and I've loved all of them. Yeah. But this one is definitely it. where I need to be in this season, and I love it. And I yeah, and I like being a yoga teacher too. I mean, that's kind of just like a side thing yeah. that I love that I love as well. So, but I'm I'm very fortunate to get to do what I love. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Listen,
0: I absolutely love you giving me a chance to sort of poke and prod, and I think our listeners would feel the same. And uh, just to kind of speed ahead, um, after uh, Christy interviews me and we kind of, you know, and I talk your ear off, we would finish our episode, first episode, with um, a mantra meditation um, and that is, um, you know, Christy's going to lead us in it. And what we want to do with this podcast is basically not only um, take you through the interview process with all of the numbers on Enneagram, but we also want to provide, like Christy said, mindful, practical Uh, tools, skill sets, and they don't have to be um, extremely uh, lengthy or you don't have to have special training to access them. It could be just a couple of minutes of meditation. It could be a particular mantra that you can take with you and kind of have as a focal point. And and hopefully that would um, be helpful for our listeners. So we will close today's episode. Christy would lead us in a short meditation yeah cool yeah. awesome
1: alright so now some questions let's for you let's do it let's do it, yeah. let's do it. Um, so I know you've been a yoga teacher yeah. for a while now mm-hmm. um, when did you take your very first yoga class and what do you remember about it?
0: Yeah, you know, so you would laugh about it. Um, I and I, you know, some of the people who've um, who are listening who've heard me tell this story, um, I apologize, but I came into yoga completely by accident. So um, I grew up in Russia, born and raised. So obviously snowy place, and I'm familiar with skiing and things like that. We had PE uh, doing skiing, and um, my husband, whom I'm been with for 20 years, is a big fan of downhill skiing. So for a longest wow time he was trying to get me out west to ski and I would be like hey listen been there done that I'm not taking vacation in the snow I I know what snow looks like if I'm going on vacation, it's gotta be tropical with sand and and ocean waves um and then finally finally he talked me into it and we're getting ready to go to Colorado for our first ski trip and he says listen babe so when you downhill skiing, you're going to use all these muscles that you've never used. And I hear there's this thing called yoga that we can do to kind of prep for it. It's kind of like a stretchy stuff. And i was like, well, I don't know. I guess we can do it. So we um, took our very first class together on Comcast On Demand on a television set. Wow. Uh yes, with um and, and she's a um she's a fitness instructor instructor. Her name is Chris Freytag, and maybe uh people know her, and she does yoga and weightlifting and all that stuff. And I think it was 20 minutes, super basic. I remember like a chair pose there. The down dog was there. I don't think there's any chaturangas, but we did it. And um, we did it for about a month before we went skiing. We went skiing, my husband fell off for for a long, long time and I kind of stuck with it. And I think for the first two years of my practice, that's how I practice at home in the living room. With Comcast on demand on the television set. Yeah, so I had a bunch of privates for a long, long time, but that was my first yoga class. Wow. Mm
1: -hmm. So maybe COVID wasn't as hard for you because you could, I knew how to do yoga. It was hard for me. (laughs) You know, because
0: then I I got to, um, Take advantage and really get to love the studio classes but um, sure. the at-home practice that's kind of what was the start so yeah I know I'm familiar with the at home practice one-on-one, yeah. on one.
1: and mm-hmm. and your husband gets the credit for yeah, introducing he gets you. the credit wow I mean literally
0: I've heard this yoga thing I think it'll help and it really did help
1: that mm-hmm. is beautiful yeah. I love that okay so next question mm-hmm So this podcast, of course, is called Enneagram Plus Yoga. Um, What is one thing that you think that Enneagram and yoga have in common?
0: You know, I read this question and I thought, you know, there's so many answers, but in one word, the truth. Mm. It just tells you the truth. truth, what you are, where you are, who you are, Um, and they're both pretty telling in a different way, Um, you know, and you've touched on that, it's... You know, it it sort of unveils both of those things. They sort of unveil, um, you know, what maybe you do on the inside uh, that you don't think about and you don't notice and maybe you don't want to notice or you don't really like and you kind of shove it on down and then it just come up. So,
1: in short, they both just uncover the truth about who we are. That's beautiful. Thank you and very true. Yeah. Um yoga and the enneagram are both pathways of transformation. Yeah. So what is one way yoga and then one way the enneagram mm-hmm. have helped you to grow?
0: <clears throat> Acceptance. You know, once once you, you know, and I I'm go, I'm I'm going to say in no way am I an expert or you know I know it all mm-hmm. I think it's an ongoing thing to the last dying breath
1: mm-hmm.
0: but um, what I also think once you go through your practice of yoga and once you get to study Enneagram you do recognize your patterns and you know your character traits and really get to understand who you are and um, I think the growth is in the acceptance And acceptance, not just good, I mean, it's easy to accept all the good and be Mm -hmm. good with it, but Mm -hmm. just the shadow side, the not so pretty side, the, you know, the things that don't really, you don't love about yourself, but to accept them and to kind of sit with them and be able to sit with them intently that I think what helps you grow because then you can recognize and then and then you can shift things or not but at least Mm -hmm. you
1: recognize so I think that's what they both do Mm -hmm. acceptance beautiful so what is one mantra um, or meditation that helps you as an Enneagram one
0: so you know I'm going to share with um with our listeners so one of the things where I love Enneagram is the workshop that I came your workshop that I came to and part of the workshop um, which I loved was not only you talked about all the numbers and we kind of you know touched on different topics and very interesting things but you have offered a mantra For every single number Mm -hmm. and I remember teaching a class that following week to my students and I typed up all the mantras that you've offered and um, I just read them all to my students without talking you know the number one number two number three I just read them all and said you know I think one of these would speak to you so you mm-hmm. just you just take the one that speaks to me to you because the one that you gave for number one spoke to me and that's I'm enough. Mm-hmm. You know I struggle with as a one of having to earn the love. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I feel like I have to work for it and show yes. you the fruits of my labor because then you know I would mm-hmm. be loved. So knowing that um, you know I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I can but I don't have to yeah. so that what I have and what I am is enough to start with um, and that's my Give and that's uh, to this days my favorite
1: I am enough oh, it is it is a beautiful one um, Maya Angelou said you alone are enough You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Right. That is such a number one quote, right? Yeah. Like, you are enough. You don't have to prove your work, but the one does tend to want to prove it through a house that looks perfect, an outfit that does whatever, right? Kids all taken care of, work is done.
0: All the T's have been crossed twice, all the I's have been dotted three times, and without a fail, always and forever.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: the funniest thing, and it took me forever to understand that only people that care about that are ones. And the chances are that everybody around you are ones or slim to none. Okay. So, you know, I've been with my husband for 20 years, and it took me for the longest time to understand that. Um, I tried to love him, in you know, one way. And although he thought it was pretty cool, like it didn't feel like love to him, like coming home to the cleanest house ever and the floors that you can fi- eat off. He's like, oh, that's cool. But he wasn't like blown away. He didn't feel loved by it. And, yeah. I, and I did. I was loving myself through scrubbing those <laughs> floors. Like, oh my God, he's gonna be blown away. He would feel like the most loved person ever. So just to understand that not only do you have to earn the love that, you, that it's it's all for you. Yeah. It's yeah. all in reflection of what you feel, not what everybody else needs. Right. Or wants. Right. And going back to the last question, that's the growth. Yeah. Just to understand, not only see it, but understand it. And then being able to recognize it again and again and again, because we repeat the pattern.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah, That you, you don't have to so, uh, to work so hard. Yeah. He already loves you. He already loves me. <laughs> you know,
0: and I don't yeah. the floors do not have to be clean. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's the growth. So what is your favorite book about the Enneagram and why? So The Road to You. Okay, The Road Back to You, The Road Ian Back Prime. to You, yes. It's not a great
0: book. Um, and I can't, and I'm going to say I haven't read all, like, a ton of books on Enneagrams, and a lot of things I've read would be, you know, kind of, like, leafing through, because a lot of books on Enneagram are so large and in charge, like, yeah. encyclopedia-like, you yeah. know, and and they and I tend to kind of like, when I get a book like that, I go to the specific numbers that I'm interested in. Sure. Of course I start with one and then, you know, what my husband is or what people in my life are and so on and so forth. But that particular book, what I loved about it, first of all, it's manageable in size and let's just yeah. face it, I wish I could dedicate like eight hours a day to reading can do it
1: no you're a mama
0: exactly and then two it was very concise which i love yeah it was to the point without fluff but it was so telling yeah i mean it was like if i were to say mind blown yeah that would be the book
1: well, he's a good storyteller. Yes. He's funny. Yes. And
0: Relatable. Yeah. Easy to read. Yes. Not al- not very, because in that, another issue with, with you know, innergram books, sometimes it feels like a little, like you almost have to have a degree in Inneagram yeah. to kind of be able to process and enjoy it. Like yeah. reading something very technical. Yeah. But this was, so two you know our listeners were like I don't know I want to read something about it because there's so much resources out there yes. that would be the one I would check out of the library and maybe buy on Amazon used yeah. and and start with that
1: yeah it's a it's a great start don't you on, think? on the Enneagram it's called The Road Back to You yeah. by Ian Cron mm-hmm. so we highly recommend that if you're just starting now yeah. and one of the things about this podcast that we've talked about is we, we want to make it where it's a user friendly podcast yeah. we're, we're not trying to um, you know have some sort of like intellectual conversation about the Enneagram or yoga it's more about tuning into the body yeah. the mind and the heart um, yeah. so yeah and that, that that happens in this book The Road Back to You mm-hmm. uh, so check that out um, yeah. so the needed childhood message for a one is mm-hmm. you are good Yeah. Or you are enough yeah um are these words healing for you to hear and why you know and i
0: thought about it actually this morning um y- you know I-, I thought about your good and i wouldn't say that that is healing because i feel like i have really it's sort of like in a bone mare and not that I'm goody two-shoes, but I always would tell my husband, like we would talk about college experiences, and I was like, I was such a box like Mm. like like a square I was a square Mm. no drugs limited parties keep it together don't do anything crazy the good girl no arrests don't you know the designated driver like all of that not that I didn't have like college we still had fun yeah the best time but I mean I've had (laughs) hangovers I overindulged like whatever but um so the good never really I've never struggled with it was just it, it that's it and yeah. I, you know, embraced it. The enough part is where I really, really resonates with me yeah. because the self-critic and sort of beating yourself up that you know and I get emotional talking about it. It's yeah. it's it's hard just just being enough and you know, I, I'm I'm it's all internal. Yeah. Like I don't have people in my life who would do more you didn't do, it's all on the inside it's the voice inside of the head that tells you that so
1: and the one has that inner critic yeah in a big constant
0: way. it's mm-hmm. huge and it spills out and you know but one thing to know about ones is no matter how hard a one can be on the outer people, they're much harder on themselves. Mm -hmm. Like that is a direct reflection of the level of self-criticism and judginess and Mm -hmm. nastiness to yourself that, Mm -hmm. and being angry with yourself that kind of spills out on the outer world. And it could be like really not pretty and intense and kind of just over the top. Like Mm -hmm. why would you even have such a high expectation just knowing that, you know, one has already beat themselves up 20 times over. And what I like about Enneagram is that it explains to you why,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, because there's people in my life, different numbers that, you know, I don't agree with their approach sometimes or their reaction, but if I understand why... Mm-hmm. then it's easier for me to accept that goes back to acceptance yeah. you know I see where you are coming from and even if I don't agree or I don't like it I understand and then I'm chill with it
1: yeah so
0: that to me is a gift um of Enneagram but that you know not not feeling like you're enough and then constantly reminding
1: yeah you're so right it The Enneagram helps us to understand ourselves, but also others. Yes. So that's important to say. And then, yeah, we also do, we need the message. You are enough as a Mm -hmm. mom. You are enough as a yoga practitioner Mm -hmm. or a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. or whatever you're doing in life. As a friend, as a wife,
0: as a worker,
1: as everything. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. We Mm -hmm. need that. And because all of us, again, we have all nine numbers inside of us. And so all of us need to hear that, you know, in different ways. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you like to do um, for fun. What's something you like to do for Oh life?
0: my! You know, if you're, so I have a 14 year old and a 9 year old and if you asked me a couple of years ago, a few years ago I would say sleep. Sleep was number one fun activity in my <laughs> life because I've, I felt like I've been sleep deprived for such a long time but that. yeah, but now, you know, travel is a favorite and I, nearly not enough and I'm sure you can relate. We have busy lives, you mm-hmm. know we have children, we have houses, mortgages husbands, jobs, all of that so, mm-hmm. you know, I wish that it could be eat, pray, love, you know, yeah. <laughs> once a month kind of thing, but it's not, but that to me, just the experience older I get and older, my husband and I get the different experiences are where we find
1: the most fun, you know, so travel, Beautiful. I, love it. I love travel too. And, and don't we all wish it could always mm. be eat, pray, love, I'm seriously, <laughs> right? <laughs> all right. So the deadly passion for the number one is anger. Yeah. Is anger or maybe high expectations of yourself and others get in your way in life? And they do. How. They yeah. do. Okay. You know,
0: and for a really long time, anger, you know, and, you know, I remember even being, you know, young and people like, why are you so angry? Why are you so pissed off? What, you know, and I would even want, like, why am I so angry? And only later in life i you know after studying yoga and enneagram just that's just what i that that's the emotion the negative emotion that's first and foremost that pops up mm-hmm. and um i'll tell you a lot of times it you know it stems from fear or insecurity or uncertainty or sadness But anger is my deadly sin. It's, you know, I used to say, I have a temper. I still have a temper. I think I'll die with that temper. Um, And it does get in the way, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is, it's like forest fire. I think it's just really hard. Once like it just blows up, it's hard to take it back and hard to even get a hold of it. Mm -hmm. And of course it affects, you know, I kind of thought about telling the story and not tell the story but something that I'm not proud of you know I'm a yeller at mm-hmm. my home you know I'm a, a a lot of time a bad cop but when you know I get frustrated my octave my my tone goes up and automatically when I'm scared I start yelling and things like that and Being a mother, you know, my children heard me yell, I'm thinking half of my neighborhood probably heard me yell, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, you really understand how it gets in a way, you know, I have a nine year old and he still remembers like one time I was yelling at my 14 year old and he just randomly say, Mom, that one time you got, you got um, mad and you yelled and I was scared. Mm. And that just broke my heart because, you know, he was scared. And, you know, as a parent, that's the last thing you want your Mm -hmm. children to feel towards Mm -hmm. you. And, um, you know, he reminds me. And he doesn't say it in a way that, you know, to guilt me or to make me feel bad. It is just kind of like he just recollects and he states it as a fact. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that because it's, you know, it's just a reminder the work is to accept it yeah Yeah. anger i have to own it yeah i have to recognize i have to learn how to control it but it is a part of
1: me well and that is the healthy one you know a lot of ones don't want to own their anger they're not even aware of it they don't know that they have high expectations of themselves and others so just to own that yeah "Yeah, this is a part of us you know I've had to do that myself to own my anger and to realize oh that's a part of me and I don't like to name that I can be angry but yes I can and we have to in order to heal that part of us we have to own that part of us and so I just commend you that you're able to Thank to tell you. your story and to own that part of yourself you. and then that's how we move you know the antidote for that anger for the one is serenity and peace and yeah. that's how you move towards that is that self-awareness yeah and that's what the enneagram does it it heightens our awareness yeah. of ourself um so that's beautiful what yoga pose makes you feel lighter Mm -hmm. freer or in a state Mm -hmm. of peace.
0: So again, I'm going to go back to you and I've, you know, I've practiced yoga for a long time and what I love about yoga is, you know, the moment you think or you feel like you know it all, you really get a big serving of humble pie that, Mm -hmm. you know, remind you that you don't know it all. So during your workshop, you were offering a yoga pose for every number. And of course I knew like every yoga pose ever. And for my number, you uh, offered a palm tree And I have never done that pose before, Mm -mm. and for our um, listeners, in case you're not familiar with what it is, you basically start in the stance in a mountain pose, but then you get to relax your shoulders and your arms, and then you're going to start swaying your torso to right and left, all through center, and let your arms kind of sway around. It's really nice because you feel free, you feel silly, you feel light. Mm-hmm. Um, the back of your hands tap the back of your lower back, so kind of stimulating the kidney area there a little bit in case you want to know that, you know, the the, the physical, some of the physical benefits, but I love it. Yeah. It's, I, do, I do it with my classes every so often, especially when I teach a class and I feel like the energy's too serious. I would just stop them meet mid-sequence, like everybody stand up, we're doing the palm tree. Um, mm. Um, I used to teach yoga to little kids and we would do palm tree. They would love it. So it's my favorite pose.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. And that's the arrow of health for the one. You move to the seven. And so when you do the palm tree, you're getting that playful part of your spirit that you need. Don't take
0: yourself so seriously.
1: I love it. Okay. So you mentioned you love to travel earlier. Favorite place you've ever traveled?
0: So many. Okay, so um, I have a really dear friend. She, um, we've been friends for, I don't know, nearly 30 years, and she's a travel agent. And um, one of the perks of having your really good friend who's a travel agent is they get to travel, and a lot of times they invite you as their plus one. Heck yeah. Heck yeah indeed, (laughs) right? So like, you don't ever say no to, to, to that. So a couple of years ago, my friend invited me. She had a work trip to Lake Como, Italy. And just like, hey, I need to check out a couple of uh, uh, five-star hotels there. Would you like to
1: come? Oh, yeah, like,
0: uh, uh, yeah, that's a yes. So I went to Lake Como in Milan, and um, it was the most beautiful place that I have ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not super travel individual, but I've been places. It felt like landing on the moon. Um, and Lake Como for folks who haven't been. So George Clooney has a house there a villa if that tells you anything wow. and also if you're a Star Wars fan uh, one of the Star Wars movie when Padme, Padme so it's Darth Vader's wife um, who um, gave birth to Luke and Leia uh, when they were young The uh, her home planet where they got married uh, was on Lake Como and we actually went to that villa and stood on that balcony where they taped her looking over the lake and it's all green and it's all like unreal it's actually real and it's that place it was all the Star
1: Wars fans are jealous right now Uh, listen I
0: (laughs) was jealous of myself so that was the favorite
1: place Wow okay Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is a question about laughter because Uh the ones need laughter, they need that playfulness. So what makes you laugh from deep within your belly like the laughing Buddha? Like Just picture the laughing Buddha. What makes you laugh like that?
0: So I thought about it, you know, I love one of my favorite traits in any individual sense of humor. And I think because I love laughing so much or I love people who can laugh or be Mm -hmm. funny or make fun of themselves. Uh, it just it just brings joy to me because I feel I need it. But um, I was thinking about it the other day. So my fourteen-year-old is I keep calling her like an old lady. She's into memes. You know, like old people they would come to you like, oh look at that video, and they'll show you a video of like a puppy and a kitty licking each other. Like oh you're so old. But yeah, I'll watch it be polite anyway. Well, oh okay, I love this. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. So you're like an old lady too. So my fourteen-year-old all into memes, and she keeps standing. I was like mom look at this I was like I can't but like this morning she sent me a meme and it was two guys and I think they were at Walmart and they were play like trying to reenact a baseball thing where one guy had like a little softball and he was throwing at the other guy and the other guy was supposed to hit it with a bat anyway the other guy hit it with a bat and it went straight into the other guy's face like knocked him out <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious so like dumb things like that that are unexpected and harmless, but just like make you laugh.
1: They elicit joy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it makes you
0: laugh. I like the the dumb things like that.
1: And I like that your daughter brought that to you, so she's already got that I sense mean, of humor. Seriously, that's fun. So, um, you know, twos love relationships. They Mm -hmm. love love. And so, of course, I have to ask this question. What is the best date night you've ever had with your husband? So I have
0: to tell you, this was the toughest question that um, I've read and was also my favorite. And here's why. Okay. Because it has, and I don't want to use the word force, but encouraged me to kind of Go back in memory of all the mm-hmm. dates that we've had in 20 years, which was so nice. Like you forget about things, mm-hmm. and you you know you're in the routine of dinners and drop-offs and work <laughs> and blah, 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 all of that stuff. So I laid there one night. I was like, all of our dates, all of our dates, and. I was surprised that it took me a while to kind of comb through everything because we have, you know, I'm married to a seven. Mm -hmm. So we did not lack for fun dates. But um, three (laughs) years ago for my 40th, my husband took me to New York City Mm -hmm. for the very first time. I've never been. I lived in the U.S. since 93. So that was the very first time I went and he uh, surprised me. Mm -hmm. He took me to see Hamilton.
1: Oh wow! I know
0: everybody start hating me now. Oh wow! I've I mean, not seen that yet on Broadway. Oh, and it was just then starting to you know tour, not the very first iteration, but still it was fairly new. I mean the tickets were I don't even know, but it was a blew socks away, like it was the most romantic, generous, you oh. know, a, a, incredible thing. And so that was a hell of a date.
1: Wow. Yeah. So Hamilton your husband needs to call my husband I know, and right? give oh, him instructions. Totally. totally. Like and we us. flew for, yeah, <laughs> and you
0: can totally do it. Like Chattanooga has flights. You fly, I think it's literally dinner and a show. You fly on Friday fly out and you come back on Sunday because, you know, we have two kids. Yeah. My sister-in-law had to keep the kids for us to be able to go. And, um, that was hell of a day. Wow. He gets like, pretty woman style. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. your
1: first time in New York and you get to see so, Hamilton. Yes. So I love that. That was
0: that topped the charts. I
1: love that. Okay. Well, we promised that we'd do a meditation. Let's to end. do it. And this is a meditation for a one and a two.
0: Okay. I mean, this
1: is perfect because, you know, ones like to stay busy through, you know, doing, reforming, perfecting. Yeah. Two's like to stay busy through giving and helping. And and both, you know, temperaments tend to overdo life a little mm-hmm. bit. So let's let's do this meditation. Just wherever you are, you can be. the ground you can be in a seat but allow your palms to face down towards your thighs that's a real grounding posture Um, and just see how you can relax and soften in your body and start to breathe wherever you are so just finding your breath maybe a deep breath in through the nose out through the mouth. The name of this meditation is STOP and the S in STOP stands for stop and enter the present moment. Take a moment to let go of your things-to-do list and to just be here to enter the present moment. And the T in STOP stands for take some breaths. So go ahead and take some deep intentional breaths. One more deep, intentional breath. And the O in STOP stands for observe. Observe your body, your mind, your feelings. Take a moment to tune into your body. If there's any pain in the body, notice that, and maybe breathe into that spot in the body where there's pain or tension. Take a moment to also notice your feelings, what's coming up for you right now. Joy, anger, sadness, fear. Also take a moment to notice your mind. Notice your thoughts. Are you being hard on yourself with your thoughts? And then the P in our Exercise of stop stands for proceed with compassion towards yourself and others. So just take a moment to proceed with compassion to yourself and know that maybe today you're going to also have to offer that compassion to somebody in your life. Who do you need to offer more kindness and love to? And then take a deep breath in through the nose. Exhale, letting something go. Come back to the present moment if you closed your eyes. And just know that this meditation really is a wonderful one for the one and the two. Because this meditation can help us just to slow down, to be, to let go of of anger, to let go of helping, to let go of perfectionism to be here in this very moment i hope you've enjoyed this very first episode of enneagram plus yoga kat and i look forward to being with you again very very soon thanks for being here with us and we hope you've enjoyed it namaste my friends